welcome to another Raptors Weekly Podcast X wrap-up with my old wrap-up co-host, Aiden Moss. I'm Lauren Weisfeld, and we are back to give you the people what they want, which is more Raptors content, even though the seas are pretty dry these days. Uh, But yeah, we want us to talk a little bit about the Raptors, a little about the NBA, a little few news items with Jalen Brown, Damian Lillard, and... um, it's been a while, Aiden. How are you? What's new with your life? I'm well. Nothing exciting. Tell me all about your ventures in Vegas. Yeah. Um, as I've explained on a couple pods now, Vegas was oh. not a crazy trip for me. Uh, no gambling was done, which is very disappointing. Other very than disappointing. A, few slot, a few slot machines. It was my first time ever in a casino, and it was very overwhelming. Uh, like the cards and and all that stuff so I planned on playing cards but then I guess the people I was with weren't into it and I didn't really want to go off on my own and be a degenerate for a whole night so you're in like the land of degeneracy I know trust me I know and and Vegas is a very gross place because of that it just encourages degeneracy like you can buy these like huge drinks of alcohol like those huge sippy cups and you can walk with them anywhere you want you can go into restaurants with them like it's insane so I didn't really gamble I didn't really party that hard other than I went to Cirque du Soleil one night and some live music that was fun yeah did you smoke Um, a cigarette in the middle of a lobby that's kind of like oh you bet I did you bet I did (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right at a slot machine and i made my friend take a picture of me nice um because when you can smoke indoors you have yeah. to and i'm really not a smoker i want to make that clear but when in rome you know that's right so vegas was a little disappointing in that regard it just wasn't that type of trip but the basketball was really fun just a huge schmooze fest you know did a little networking mostly just talked to some people uh, and mostly just watched a lot of games courtside, which is a really cool experience because you get to see guys fighting for like NBA jobs. And it's kind of funny the amount of guys like trying to dunk on each other. Like if you did a study like a- any other league compared to summer league, it's just like that I feel like is where the like representation of guys fighting for jobs really comes out because, oh, my God, everyone is trying to dunk on each other. Um so, yeah, it was really fun watching the games and also went to WNBA also. That was fun. Um, what did what did you think about Summer League from, from your view at home? Yeah, I mean, it quickly falls off, unfortunately, as the higher prospects get shut down, which I think mm-hmm. is a kind of a lesson on maybe you experience this on timing as to when you go to Summer League. Like, you definitely want to go in those first three to five days, I'd imagine. But... I mean, I love watching it too. I I just like watching hoops. It's not the best quality of ball, but it's particularly because everybody's kind of looking out for themselves in some respects. Um, but yeah, I love watching the grind. It's like the ultimate. That and the fact that I'm streaming the basketball tournament right now, that and Summer League are like two of the, the most nerdy ways you can enjoy hoops during the offseason. Yeah. So I'm watching... Uh, Boheim's army right yesterday with like Buick. Do you remember bikes? B U Y C K. Anyway, Nerd Central. Love it. Love Summer League. Uh, yeah, I watched uh, Steph Curry's documentary last night. That was that was what really just like got my hoops thing. Yeah. But uh, also the FIBA World Cup. Maybe we'll talk a bit about that. That's coming true. up. That'll true. satiate our desires. I think though, 
you know, I was definitely jealous about missing like Scoot and Wemby and going early for those reasons definitely makes sense. But I do think there's like something to be said about going towards the end of summer league, which I did, which is like, yes, the hoops gets a little grosser as, as the main guys get shut down, but there's like something charming about that. Cause like, it's really the guys who are just like fighting for spots as it goes on. And even though the level of like top tier talent goes down as it goes on, the, the like compete goes up if anything because like mm. there, there's playoff spots to play for and i also feel like teams get better as they go along just because they haven't had much time to be together so like the raptors team for example definitely you could see their progression as the tournament went along and like grady for example took like eight 10 12 shots the first couple of games and then he was like near the 20s in the field goal attempts the last few games because they were like, come on, get get your shots up, Grady. We're doing this for you. Um, well, they gave the ball to Hogue, which is, you know, the key to all the success. You 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 a Hogue guy? You kind of look like Hogue. Do I? Yeah. I, I, uh, I'm, I mean, I don't think he's necessarily an NBA guy, but that's that's like his environment to excel. Yeah, and excel he did not really. <laughs> that was the thing about the Raptors summer league team. It was like, Grady and Marquise were really fun. Um, Grady was pretty good, I think, throughout. Marquise had his moments. But, like, everyone else on that team just did not really pop. I kind of liked RJ Nembhard. Yeah, he was okay. Guy was okay. But, like, I think because Doughton and Coloco didn't play, it really was just a, a, a tough team to watch, to be honest. That... Why doubt was doubt not playing because of injury or because of contract stuff? No injury, they said. Yeah, it's too bad. No, him it's... and him and Cloak. I mean, I think Dowden's actually too good or too experienced for summer league. Like I think last year he kind of demonstrated yeah. to me that he's at the at, he's kind of in that weird um, uh, netherworld between the NBA and summer league, kind of like Flynn to some degree. But Coloco really could have benefited from being mm-hmm. a primary guy. Yeah, and it would have just been nice to see where Coloco is at, like, yeah. physically. And just, like, because if he's dominating in summer league, then you can probably be, like, pretty confident that he can go into next season as the backup center. Actually, I'm curious about what you think about that. Because people's opinions really vary on, like, how much you can take from summer league. Um, and I'm of the opinion that you can actually take some stuff because if you look at, for example, like the last, the leading scorers for the last like five to 10 summer leagues, it's all guys who are like really good players in the NBA. So like if you're dominating summer league, you're, you're going to have success in the NBA at some point. Like that's what the history tells us. Um, but obviously you can't take everything from summer league. Um, so I stand more so towards like, I kind of buy what I see at summer league. Um, yeah, the, the, the ringer NBA show kind of went through the like four last four years of the first and second team all-stars of summer league and majority of them are, are legitimate NBA players. Maybe they're not the best, but they, they have, they're on a team and they're getting minutes. Um, so yeah, I think you can kind of tell, right? Like there's some there's some guys who 
are a little bit savvier, maybe a little bit older, and they kind of know how to get their buckets, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're at like an NBA level. There's guys that really just completely take over and you're like, okay, this is, they're, they're done. And then there's those other guys who, are, and I think Dick to some degree is, is one of these players where, and I myself am one of these players where you kind of play down to the level or you play up to the level, right? Like you, you, uh, you're a, you're a catalyst to a, an already good team or you feed off of an already good team. And in summer league where there's no real team play, there's no balance, there's no, the talent level is, is lower. The awareness is lower. You're not going to find those guys in summer league. Like you're not going to see them the same way you would mm-hmm. necessarily in a higher competitive environment. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like summer league is, it's just like any other league. Like if you're smart and your feel is high, then you're gonna succeed in it. And I you think might not shine with Grady. You might not yeah, shine yeah. though, right? And I think that's that's the thing is the summer league's not really built to show to demonstrate all of the NBA player types. I think it like a yeah. Keontae George, for example, it's built mm-hmm. for a guy like that who can just be ball mm-hmm. dominant and go off yeah, and strut true. his stuff, you know? He looked great. He yeah. Looked great. Yeah, and Biggs, for example, it's really hard for Biggs to succeed in summer league because nobody really passes them the ball, and it's so selfish. But I also mean, like, in the sense that with your feel and your just the way you play the game, if you're a chucker and you're constantly taking bad shots or making bad decisions, turning the ball over, then it's like, all right, if you're doing that in summer league, even if, say, you're shooting the ball really well and stuff, it's like you probably aren't going to succeed in the NBA because it's just you're going to have to play a small role in the NBA. And so if you're already doing those things in summer league, then I just yeah. don't think that but that's the inverse, a very good sign. The inverse could be true too, right? It's like, again, Grady Dick. It's like, yo, Grady, go get, go get me 30 and 10. And it's like he goes and he's – I'm not saying this is necessarily happening, but he's inefficient and it doesn't it doesn't look that great. But then in a smaller role where his where he's asked to do certain things, he excels and then makes a career out of it. So I just think I think summer league is a good way to test your metal, but it's not necessarily the best way to um, discover who you're going to be in the NBA is all. No, yeah, I agree. Let's talk about Grady Dick because I think speaking of Summer League, I think it was obvious that the Raptors built the team around him in a lot of ways. Like, he had the ball more than he is going to in the NBA. Like, Mm -hmm. I think everyone kind of thought of him as, like, this movement shooter who's going to come off screens and have a lot of plays designed for him to, to catch and shoot, stuff like that. And in Summer League, he actually, like, was just given the ball a lot. Like, he wasn't the point guard or anything, but he was just asked to create his own shot quite a bit. And, yeah, he didn't, like, look like Keontae George doing that. You don't expect him to. But I think the idea is that you just want to give him reps doing this. See where he's at, but also grow that game for years down the line when maybe he can do that. Um, And in general, I was really impressed with his offensive game. Like, he didn't shoot the ball that well, but there's enough sample size that he's going to shoot the ball well um, in his career. But I thought there was a little more like off the dribble juice than I expected personally, Um, where he was able to create a shot against some really good defenders like Azar Thompson in that Detroit game. And 
um, doing that in addition to the movement shooting that I think people are expecting. I think he was ahead of where I thought he would be offensively. What do you think? Yeah, it seemed it seemed like there was the potential for him to be um, to have no handles, to have no kind of um, to not be a threat at different levels of the floor. <laughs> Although in Kansas, I think like he demonstrated he could do that, um, and. And so, yeah, it was promising to see that he had the confidence to go and do it too, right? It it wasn't, it was there that, and that's what I think I like about Dick is that I I think there would be an assumption that he's going to be a quiet or shyer guy despite the red suit, but he actually looks like he's he has some self confidence to to put himself out there and to kind of attempt at least to do what he thinks he's capable of, um, and and that is something in summer league you do want to see is that when coaches or executive tell you to go and make the most of it that they do they don't kind of rely on what their comfort zones are which is just pull up shooting or um, spot up shooting so yeah that was all promising and I don't expect him to be the most explosive and I do expect him to have some moments where it looks like he's the less less athletic guy like against Oscar Thompson uh, mm-hmm. for example but I also think that with his shooting and his ability to move um, without the ball, it's going to open up opportunities for him to get to the lane. And, I, and the Raptors really need that. They need both. They've only really ever had one or the other, um, if, mm. if shooting at all. So, Right, like a Gary, for example, has a, yeah. he's allergic to the rim. Exactly. Um, yeah, and, and another thing I was impressed about, like, yeah, I mentioned the on-ball creation. Obviously, it's not like the tightest handle, and his playmaking has to come along if he's ever really going to get the ball in his hands. But there was enough glimpses there. The other thing was, like, I kind of expected him to have to have plays run for him or have the ball in his hands to affect the game because he's not big. He's not athletic. But he really is just, like, a smart player who's in the right positions at the right time. He got a lot of offensive rebounds and putbacks. He's a good cutter. He loves those uh, backdoor cuts. And he just found like ways to involve himself in the game, even when he wasn't shooting or scoring the ball necessarily. So that was another thing where back to your point about like summer league is if you're playing with bad players, you know, he made the most of it, but you could just imagine him say, for example, playing in like the starting lineup, not like the starting lineup necessarily, but like with a bunch of the starters on the Raptors who are a bunch of high field, good passers, you know, it's a lot of cutting going on. It's a lot of offensive rebound. I just see how his skill set would be amplified playing with good players with the Raptors. Even more so than, like, him coming off the bench. Like, I'm not saying he should start. We're going to have to see. But just, like, it does make more sense for him to be playing primarily in starting groups and then Gary to play primarily in bench-led groups, I think. Agreed. I yeah, I would definitely anchor him to one of or both Scotty and Pascal just for that re- that reason. Um, both guys are good at finding the cutter, especially I could see like Grady getting hit on a lot of baseline cuts. You know, like mm-hmm. he's in the corner for that weak side three, but then he backdoors on the baseline. I think we're gonna get a lot of that. I I I would argue he's not unathletic per se, and I think that's something that surprised me a little bit too. Is he's a bit more live. Um, when he's moving, especially considering he's six eight, like I, I he's mm-hmm. not, he's not slow footed. Could you try again? 
That is Yeah, and and he loves catching lobs. So that that goes to show like he he's he loves playing above the rim when he can. Yeah. So give him a little bit of strength and maybe an uh, a bit more foot speed and I think he's going to be a fine athlete in addition to everything else we've already seen. What do you think about the defense? Um I yeah, fine. I think I don't think he's going to get roasted. I think mm-hmm. like I can't really recall now. It's been a little bit a little bit, but I don't remember thinking that he's really um stood out as 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 a as being bowled over. You? I was a little more disappointed, um but he's also a 19-year-old who had one like you can't expect him to be a good defender at this point given his frame, given his lack of experience. But I do think he's going to get picked on pretty bad in his rookie year in the For NBA. Sure. I just think he's not that quick laterally, or at least like his closeout on footwork. Sorry, his footwork on closeouts is not that good. So he gets blown by all the time. If he ever gets posted up in a mismatch, it's pretty easy to take him into the post. So yeah, I, I think it's going to be hard. That's another reason I would tether him to the starters is just like, give him a lot of big wings to play around him. That's why I'm, I like the pick in the first place is like, okay, if the only downside of Grady is the defense might never come along, at least you have like eight, six, nine wings to like buffer him in. Like the whole point of building out this wing based roster is that not the whole point, but part of it is that you can protect the guards that you eventually maybe one day get to score the ball. So um, yeah. yeah, and I, and I think, by virtue of his his size length like that's going to help him i could see him becoming a really good team defender just by the way he is so spatially aware on the offensive side like i think that could translate quite quickly to the defensive side Mm -hmm. and so yeah you can you know you stick him yeah you're gonna he's gonna rebound at the very least right like he's gonna do some stuff to contribute he's not gonna be your one-on-one iso guy that's that's i think we need that one in yeah, and like I have, I don't know if I'm not saying like he's not going to be a fine defender in his NBA career. I'm just saying like his first year, I I do think it's going to be a real work in progress. Um, but yeah, speaking of the Raptors, is there anything else you want to say on summer league guys, or are you ready to move on to Pascal? I want to believe in Noel, but I don't. I I don't think <laughs> I'm in. I don't think I'm in on it. <laughs> Me too, a hundred percent. I want to believe so badly, but yeah, I'm more it's hopeful. It's going to be so than, hard for him. Yeah, I just it it already looked hard. Some of the shots and passes he made, it's just like I don't know, dude. Um, I'm more stoked for Freeman Liberty, that's for sure. Yeah, he, yeah. You know what he shot from three on five attempts a game in summer league or in the G League? In summer league, forty six percent exactly. Yeah. And the G League he shot well too last year. Um he's like a Delano Benton, in my opinion. Like a more refined Delano Benton who can shoot it a little bit, better cutter. Oh, uh, Delano Benton cannot shoot the three. He just does a lot of the things that Delano's like archetype was eventually supposed to get to. Right. So I feel like he's the replacement Delano in a lot of ways. He's a big, yeah. skinny point guard, good in the open floor. A uh, good complimentary player. I don't think he's going to be like an advantage creator himself. Like you don't see him breaking guys down off the dribble a lot. But hey, I'm I'm looking forward. I think Noel too 
Marquise will be a good G League player, like, right away. I just don't know if it'll ever translate to the NBA. Yeah. All right, Pascal Siakam and the Raptors. Uh, so Let's Talk about spicy, spicy P. <laughs> nice. So where we are right now is that Siakam did not go to summer league because the team was trading was was had him in trading talks. That's kind of been reported at that point. Uh, Will Lou did a good solo pod outlining all the rumors he heard at summer league. So I would encourage people to check that out, and that was one of the things he said. And now it seems like there's not going to be an extension immediately, and he's also not getting traded immediately. Um, but I, I guess, like, I guess I'll ask you, like, what would you rather? Would you rather the Raptors extend him at this point, or are you in favor of them trading him? Because I think nobody wants to see him come back on an expiring deal and just like risk losing him, just like the Raptors lost Fred. Um, so that I think is worst case. So I think either they have to trade him or sign him to this four-year max extension. It's not a super max. Um, it's thirty percent of the cap. So what say you? I first of all, I have to say for the first time in at least well since the Demar era, I'm at a loss for the Toronto Raptors' direction. Like I really, I both not do not know what Masai plans to do and I don't know what I want them to do like I am just kind of stuck in mud it feels like Mm -hmm. the pragmatist in me says re-sign Pascal and worry about trading him later because I think at this point he's already apparently he's already advertised that he won't necessarily re-sign with the team he's traded to which is really interesting um and I don't blame him. I would want to have my own flexibility too. Um, so I think so. That b- by nature of that, he his value has deteriorated some. And I don't. I'm not willing to trade him for some of the packages I've heard from Atlanta, for example. Um, mm-hmm. If we extend him, that means it's whatever amount of money until he's about 33, which is still his prime. And I think there will be a lot of teams that will be interested in acquiring a guy that would immediately be one B one B in with most teams who's locked in for another three years. So to me, I think they should get him re-signed immediately. I guess they can't trade him for the first year if they re-sign him. Is that right? Or does it depend? I don't know exactly. I, I don't know. I think they would be able to trade him by the deadline, but I'm not sure. So that might be an issue. Nonetheless, I, you know, this team is not in full rebuild mode yet. So um, I wouldn't mind seeing what this team is capable of with like, I, I do think I don't, they're obviously not as skilled as they were last year. I think we're potentially underestimating internal growth again, mostly because we were burned by it last year, but I think in the new system, new coach, a new hierarchy, right. With Freddie gone, the hierarchy really switches things up. We have Pascal at the top mm-hmm. and then OG and Scotty really one, two, and Gary, mm-hmm. maybe two, three, I don't know. Uh, who knows? But anyway, so there's a lot There's a lot to kind of test the waters with, and I'm just ex- interested in that in this new experiment to see where it goes. Um, so I'm leaning towards keeping Pascal, re-signing him, and figuring it out later. Yeah, I, I think I definitely agree that people are underestimating the Raptors. Like, I've hated their offseason so far, everything about it, but 
I was like reading through this Twitter post that someone said like guess the Raptors win total next season and it was like most people were in consensus that it would be in like the mid 30s and I'm like that just doesn't make any sense to me like this is a very flawed team but this is still like a 500 team like more or less last year went as bad as it possibly could have and they were a 500 team I know they lost Fred but I just think that that is still the floor of this team. I think the ceiling went down losing Fred pretty drastically, but the floor to me is still pretty high. It's still around like 40. But that doesn't really answer the question. Like, does that mean, like, are you happy with the team? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Are you happy with the team that has a low ceiling and a mid floor? No, I'm, this is the first off season that I've like seriously questioned the Raptors front office and Losing Fred for nothing, just like there's nowhere to sugarcoat it. Uh, even if the deals at the deadline weren't that good, it sounds clear that the Raptors weren't like hung gung ho on keeping Fred, right? Like, based on the offers they give it, you know, Houston only gave him a two year deal. The Raptors could have beat that if they wanted to with term. It, it seems like they just didn't want to keep Fred at, at anywhere near that cost. And if if that was always the case, you know, unless something changed between the trade deadline and the end of the season, they should have just traded him for whatever, a couple seconds and a player. Like, I know they're being nice and they wanted to give Fred the financial flexibility of choosing his own destination and all that, but like keeping his bird rights. But um, no, I would have just rather got something for Fred. And also that would allow the Raptors to see what they had without Fred for a half a season. So that was just bad asset management. Um, and and to me now, it's at a point where you have to choose between Scotty and Pascal. Because I just don't believe in this three-person front court with Pirtle, Pascal, and yeah. Scotty. Yeah. The only way I would believe in it is if you got like a Dame to be your point guard. Like, like your backcourt was so good at shooting. So prolific that you can make up for some of that stuff. Um, but I don't think they're trading like OG for Dame. I, I don't see why like Portland takes that deal with an expiring OG. So unless no, you can do something like that, unless something you can do something like that, then yeah, it, you have to kind of choose between Scotty and Pascal to me. Um, Scotty for Dame makes a lot of sense building around Pascal's timeline and just going for it or Pascal for picks and prospects. And, and yeah, because if they do go into the season as the team is currently constructed, um, I just don't see what the ceiling is. Uh, uh, I don't see how they make their ceiling really high because like there's a ton of talent, but there's just not enough shooting. Like that's just it's a very simple problem. And there's no point guard. Like, like you can give Scotty the ball and say, go be the point guard. And I think it, that'll be good for his long-term development for sure. But like, it's not going to win you a championship in the next five years. No, I don't think he has enough creation off the dribble to be the lead guard on a team. Yeah. And, and maybe, maybe you could, you know, to build a successful team around that with like a bunch of movement shooters. But if Pascal and Pirtle are also on the court, um, it just doesn't really make sense to give him the ball. So 
yeah, I'm, I'm also kind of at a loss, like in terms of what they should do, what I want them to do, but I do not want them to go into the season. Like it makes sense to sign Pascal and then worry about it later for sure. Especially if, if the value of the trade packages are really bad right now, but if they go into the season with this current team, I will not be excited to watch them. And I would much rather than pick a clear direction at this point. And again, that either means building around Siakam's timeline or building around Barnes's timeline. And yeah, that's yeah. It'd be, it'd be a much easier question if we didn't just resign Pirtle. Like that really does throw a wrench in so much. Cause I mean, to your point, if we had a, uh, a big who is more of a spacer, maybe a little bit more nimble, then perhaps Pascal and Scotty could play alongside and we could kind of figure it out. But Pirtle was at his best in the pick and roll with Freddie. And so I, I still think resigning Pirtle has value. Like I, he's a top defensive center. A lot of teams would want him, especially if they're making a run in the West against Jokic. Um, so we, we, yeah. we need to keep him. But it, it's just, yeah, it's confusing and crowded. And the Gary opting in is another confounding part to not for us, but for management to figure out. Um, and we still have no guards. It's funny because Flynn is just kind of there. It's like, he's literally our backup point guard right now uh, as he was last year, but I think he's going to get legit minutes, um, which I'm not necessarily upset about. Anyway, like he's still, I still think there's a, there's a possibility he kind of breaks through and I think he needs a new coach to do that. So we'll see. Yep. It's possible. Yeah, I also it, think Doughton will have a good year. Yeah. Like I'm high on him. Me I, too. I honestly, I think he can play. Schroeder will play, but again, there's no spacing with Schroeder out there. So, um, no spacing with Doughton either. No, Doughton's a better shooter, I think, than Schroeder, but. Yeah, he's he's not like a Damian Lillard. Um, but what was I gonna say? It's all very confusing. Um, and I oh, I wanted to talk about Pirtle. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I think I am more okay with the whole Pirtle situation than a lot of people are. Like, it'll obviously depend on where that pick falls next year, and and what kind of player is drafted in that area that the Raptors gave up their pick for him. But look, they gave it a year and a half to see what it was like without a center playing Pascal and and Barnes and a mishmash of centers there. And it just didn't work defensively. Like you, you do that to build up enough of a database to be like, okay, this doesn't work. And then they got Pirtle and he solved a lot of their defensive problems. Now, of course, you can say, well, they should have got a stretch big. How many stretch bigs in the world? can do what the Raptors needed as a, as a rim protector and legitimately stretch the floor. There's like five. Yeah. It's like Jokic. It's like Miles Turner. Even guys like, like not a lot. Even guys like Jaron Jackson Jr. have a big beside them. Mobley has Jared Allen beside them. Like, Yeah. And that's why I'm like, okay, they, they solved their like defensive problems with Pirtle and that's kind of just what they had to do. And yeah, like now, obviously there's, there's an offensive just packed paint right now, but 
if the alternative was just never getting Pirtle and, and running this back basically with no center once again for what would be like the third season, to me, that's a worse outcome than p- paying one pick to solve your defensive issues because I would just watch the same thing again and again, and we know it doesn't work. Um, and so and I, I think it that's also, where I'm at with Pirtle. I think it also... Because they, they do have to rearrange the team, but they have their center in place. I'm just saying that, I mean, I, th- I guess he fits both timelines, but he's really a Pascal timeline. So I'm just saying that it complicates things when, if you're wanting to build around Scotty, now you have two guys that are in their prime, on the, like leading into the latter part of their prime. Yeah. But, I, but I agree with you. And I, you know, I was a big proponent of the centerless experiment, but I also think it wore down Pascal and Scotty and Precious and OG like, like I, I think it took its toll over the course of time, as did Nick Nurse's and they style didn't like of it. defense. No, yeah, and this they didn't like it. And at a certain point, you have to like adhere to your players, or else they're going to walk out on you, right? So I agree, and I think you know a lot of this will come down to who Scotty is this year, and and who it, it seems will. that he is becoming. Because if he becomes a little bit more comfortable in the mid range on the perimeter at the spot up, then, mm-hmm. then perhaps the three of them can work. Um, yeah. I mean, it would have to be like a really extreme advancement, but it's possible. Yeah. And, and also I would say with Pascal, like the idea is obviously that he's older and therefore done growing, but he gets better every year. And, and, there could be a season where he shoots, you know, 37% from three. And if Scotty does that as well, and they both kind of are just okay enough from three, then maybe this whole thing works and and we look silly. Um, but it just feels like the offense is going to look ugly because how are they creating those open threes? Yeah, it's right. It's just like post-ups. Uh, I, I know that like Pirtle is going to make a lot of like decisions from the elbow and, and that kind of stuff. But yeah, without guards to like shoot off the bounds, I just. It's going to be, gonna they're be not going to be pretty games. No, probably not. Um, yeah. Also on the two timeline approach, I'm really not even that concerned about timelines as much as I am about fit. Like Pascal and Scotty, whatever. They're a few years apart. It's not perfect, but to me, that stuff, you're never going to have a team with a bunch of guys on the same age. But, like, it's more so just the fact that they don't fit that well together with a center there who can protect the rim. And, again, the Raptors couldn't get a center who didn't protect the rim or who protect the rim and space the floor. So that's why I'm like, the fit isn't good. Yeah, but it's also fit and money, you know, because with – and for that matter, content mm-hmm. on, contentment on the team. Like if if OG feels like he's mm-hmm. still getting squeezed out, or Precious isn't growing the way he wants to, because we've you know kind of bought into to Pirtle and Pascal, then it's poor management as well. So yeah, no, I agree, and that's why I've kind of landed like I would. I think they should trade Pascal if they can get a good enough deal. If they can get AJ Griffin back in the Hawks deal, a couple picks and, and you know, another prospect, then I'm kind of at the point where I'm ready to do that, even though Pascal's like my favorite player. I just think I was, um, I was pretty stoked on the DeJounte Murray package. I thought he would, like, he's still pretty young. That contract he just signed is nice. Like, 
I think he would have been a perfect kind of uh, guard for this team. Well, he can be traded at the deadline, but I also think he's not a shooter. And so I think you run into similar issues. Yeah. Honestly, I, yeah. I, he's not my favorite. Um, he's he's a good placeholder, a Fred-like placeholder, but he is not my favorite like long-term point guard for this group. Um, so who are you trading Pascal to then? I think the Pacers have an interesting package and the Magic, but yeah, I, I kind of think Atlanta could make a good deal around AJ Griffin, who I really like, and a couple picks, and none of their other prospects really that, move dude. me. I know, I know, but, but AJ like Griffin Buffin, didn't even play last year. Yeah, he didn't play too much, but he's good. Buffkin didn't really move me though. At Summer League, I watched him a couple of times. I know I'm not gonna like draw too much from Summer League. And I know the Raptors apparently liked him in the draft, but he didn't move me. And then they have like who's their who's their big forward that people like? Uh, Congo. No you know who, Johnson? Jalen Johnson. Oh, Jalen Johnson, yeah. He I doesn't like... really move me. Okongu just overlaps with Precious too much, in my opinion. I like the Pacer package. If we could get uh, Jairus Walker and Nemhard for Pascal. I don't like that package. I want Matherin if I'm going. Nah, to I think I don't know. I don't know. What I think Nemhard his ceiling is somewhat limited. Like actually, he that... would be a great guy to have in Toronto, but his ceiling to me, Matherin's ceiling is still higher. But Walker's ceiling is also very high. And I think I guess, but he's another non-shooting big. Yeah, that's true. But he's also young. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, I I also saw like an interesting package with a three-team deal with New Orleans, where um, Dejounte Murray would go to New Orleans in that deal, and then like Dyson Daniels and like uh, Herb Jones would go to Toronto, something like that. Couple uh, in of addition, shooters. in Perfect. addition to like. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. If they don't get a good deal, I'm with you. Resign him, figure it out later, see how it looks, all that stuff. Um, you know, my my ideal Raptors offseason is still if they could turn OG into Damian Lillard, like OG and a bunch of picks. There's no way. I don't think Portland's doing that. Portland's wanted OG for so long though, and I know it's because Dame wanted to play with him in part but think about portland's like they have scoot and they have um shade and sharp wouldn't og be the perfect three but beside those two guys yeah so and there there hasn't been a prospect mentioned or a young player mentioned in the dame talks that is better than og but he's a so he's also a contract year. that's the thing they would have to have like a verbal agreement like yeah, yeah i'll resign with you guys um but to me like trading scotty for dame is just it's risky, man. I agree. If, but if I can keep Scotty and have that like like insurance in case I ever need a rebuild, that's what I, I always want to have Scotty just in case we need to ever do that. I agree, but I've also said this, which is like if Scotty continues to set off alarm bells for whatever reason, like he doesn't like being in Toronto, his work ethics lacking, or whatever it is that kind of like popped up this year, if that keeps happening. 
And it's not that he will not meet his potential, but it's possible that he doesn't want to be in Toronto anymore. Like if, if they're getting those kinds of feelings, it's possible that trading him now and, and making a push for it is the way to go. Um, sure, but they still have him pretty much locked up for the next five more years, six years. Yeah, yeah, like even if he doesn't want to be in Toronto, they don't need to start wearing that for a few more years. And I'm, I think Scotty's going to figure it out as like a professional. I'm not so. pushing for it. I'm just saying if if that is what's happening, right? Like it doesn't feel like the relationship is over the moon right now. Yeah, uh, it doesn't feel like their relationship is great with Scotty, with OG, or with Pascal. Yeah. So that's why, yeah, it feels like they kind of have to choose like two of them in a way because... Or Gary for that matter. Well, I'm not too worried about it. No one Gary. seems happy. Grady seems happy. Yeah. Grady, uh, good guy. Fun guy to talk to. Um, he'll, he'll inject some good juice into the into the team. But, yeah, so Pascal, you know, one of the things with him is committing to that 30% uh, salary for the next five years. And if you do that, it becomes more difficult to build the team. And, like, I was talking to one of the Raptors scouts in Summer League who I know who was just saying, like, with the new CBA, if you – the reality is now that you pick two or three guys and the rest of the team is just going to be in constant flux. Yeah. Because that's just the way that like the contract situation works is that you can't really have like a core of six guys anymore. Um, and so, then the guy, and then if some, if a low, if a small contract plays well, they're going to get paid somewhere yeah. else. So you have to let them go. Kind of like we saw Bruce Brown, but just at a more constant right. rate. Right. So that's like one thing the Raptors definitely have to think about with Pascal is um, are, are they willing to potentially have him be one of those two or three guys that they are committed to? And another team that did that recently is the Boston Celtics with Jalen Brown, who the Celtics signed Brown to a five year Supermax extension worth three hundred and four million dollars. It is the biggest Biggest extension in NBA history, or the biggest contract in NBA history, I should say. So good for Jalen Brown. Honestly, good for the Celtics. I think they had to do it. I'm not too concerned. What say you? I don't think it has anything to do with the Celtics and Jalen Brown. I think it has to do with the system in place and and how broken it is. It's like you, they, Boston can't just let Jalen Brown go, right? Like they they are in this dilemma where they um, they're forced to sign him essentially. Right. Like, and so, and, but then they can't also penny pinch Jalen Brown cause then they're just going to piss him off and he's going to want to get out as soon as he signs or he's going to walk away. So it's kind of like, it's, it's uh, like everybody who's complaining about the, the contract. It's more just a contract of the situation. Like the stars just align for Jalen Brown in this moment. And it's going to continue for um, for subsequent contracts for other players. They're just going to continually grow, and I think that needs to be fixed more than anything else. Is that like we saw this with John Wall? We saw this with Westbrook. We saw what Chicago. We saw the opposite was just Chicago did let Jimmy Butler walk, and they mm-hmm. they uh, were screwed for it. And the John Wall contract was a was an 
an anchor. So was the Westbrook. So something's not working in the system. And I think that's what needs to be changed. But I, but yeah, Boston's trying to win a championship right now. If they let him walk, they don't, they have room to sign somebody, but who are they going to sign? They'd have to wait a year to do it. So it was a no brainer to do it. Yeah. I don't know if something's wrong in the system or teams just need to be smarter. Like, no, but they say Jalen Brown does not live up to this contract and has a bad year next season and they have to like trade maybe like trade picks to get off the contract. Then, you know, going forward, I think teams will be more hesitant to hand out this supermax to guys who aren't like the five best players in the league. Um, yeah, but but somebody will sign them. So they're just going to lose the asset then. No, but they but like other teams, for example, couldn't give Jalen Brown as much money. Right. Or years as the Celtics could. So there was a world where this was negotiated and it wasn't all of the Supermax. But because I think Jalen Brown has such a weird relationship with the Celtics where he's kind of spoken about how he doesn't love the city so much and stuff like that. I feel like they were kind of compelled to just be like, all right, here's the whole thing. Whereas maybe other teams in that situation going forward don't do that. But the whole point of the ability to offer the Supermax's birds right is for markets who aren't necessarily attractive, right? And so, like, you're you're causing these franchises to necess- to basically handcuff themselves where, where they either keep their homegrown star or they lose them to a more attractive team and then have nothing else to replace them with, right? And yeah. I think that's that's the problem is that they were using – the Supermax is kind of like a shield for small markets, but instead it's actually backfired on them. Yeah, that's true. And we saw like it decimated the Wizards. The John Wall contract destroyed the Wizards, essentially. I mean, so did their poor... So did the Beal contract. Yeah, I mean, and so... Yeah. they There needs to be something else to that... And, and I think I like some of the ideas of like being able to go over the cap, like the Warriors, for example, they, I like that they drafted everybody. Yeah. They should be able to pay them more than what the cap is because they, they earned that right to, um, or that you can somehow get out of the contract or something else. Like there's gotta be other tools. The, the supermax is too blunt of an object. No, but to that point, I was listening to a podcast and they were saying how more and more of these deals are unguaranteed recently in the NBA. Like Mm -hmm. even Fred's, for example, it has a team option on the third year. You look at like Zion's deal where there's a bunch of clauses related to play. Kyrie Irving has clauses related to play. Yeah, I think that's the direction the NBA is going in. And it kind of does make sense. I think like you never want to get to where the NFL is, where guys are just kind of screwed out of deals. And like... 10% of their money is guaranteed. But I do think with games played at the very least, that is like a fair thing to like not guarantee Um, unless you play a certain amount of games, then you get your full contract. So I do think that is where the league is going in terms of giving the team some options rather than the players having like so much power in these, in these big contracts. Um, But that's what I mean with negotiations. I just think teams need to be smarter about, what they are negotiating it, it rather than just giving like the super max to everyone. Yeah. I just don't like, you know, obviously I'm all about the players getting paid. I could give a shit about the billionaires, but I, mm-hmm. I think my concern is that by 
by having to give Jalen Brown, you know, 303 million, they can't pay Grant Williams. They can't pay the other guys. And like you said, they're scrounging around for min contracts a little bit more. Um, so I just think it, I think it, and the new CBA as we, as we're seeing it, I think all of it kind of um, distorts how money is spread across the league. Yeah, real quick, what did you think about the Celtics basically trading Marcus Smart for Kristaps Porzingis? I am out on the trade. Me too, man. I hate it. I hate it. I think they needed to change something up, no question. I think they thought the Kristaps Porzingis trade was kind of like an arbitrage. Like they kind of like snuck snuck him away, but then they paid him 20 mil a year for three years on top of it. Um, I, yeah, I don't like it. And now they have three kind of four guys that are injury prone. Their guard yeah. depth is, is shallower than it once was. I, yeah, I'm not a big, that's fan. my, that's my problem is like, they're like, okay, well we had really good guard depth and we had really shaky front court. Well, now you just have, yeah, you have a better front court still. They're all injury prone. And now you just have pretty bad guard depth honestly just considering how injured brogdon is um if i were them i would have just done straight up for tyus jones and like gotten a pick and then maybe found another big some other way like i think i think they needed to change something up marcus smart's maybe getting a little older like maybe wanted a different role like bring in a strong point guard they need a distributor that's been the problem all along they need a guy mm-hmm. that and Marcus Smart is great when he plays point guard, when he's passing the ball, just playing defense, like kind of being the fourth or fifth option. Tyus Jones would have been perfect for that. Um, yeah, and getting yeah. in the Kristaps business is like is scary for me. It is. And uh, I think from Memphis's perspective, they paid a pretty hefty price with the two firsts and Tyus going in a, in a separate deal. But... I think Marcus Smart is the perfect guard to have beside uh, John Morant, like yeah, long term. Like he's not the greatest three point shooter, but he knocks them down. At, uh, I, I honestly feel like Marcus knocks them down when they count, and just as a defender, as a connector, as a you know whatever you want to call it, a dog. Like they couldn't have found a better backcourt guy. Yeah, I think. I'm also worried about Memphis's depth. I think, like, if, and I think they believe this about Memphis, but I'm not sure I believe it is if Memphis were on the precipice of becoming a contender, a championship contender, I think Marcus Smart would be the perfect addition to push them over the top. Like, he brings all of those intangibles, and, but he's a big shot maker when he needs to be. He's a grizzly defender, whatever. No pun intended. But I think, I don't think they're there yet, particularly with the jaw suspension. Clark's out. Like if you if you actually look at their bench, unless one of their younger guys kind of pops, I'm not sure they have enough to really compete in the West. In which case, the smart trade might have been too premature. I get what you're saying, but I I don't think so because a Tyus Jones was never fitting beside Jaw, and that's the main thing with the trade is that he was a great backup point guard, but. He, he couldn't play together with Jaw. Yeah, but and now so you have Bain, Smart, and Jaw. That's like that's I a think very that small backcourt. I think that can work though, because okay. Jaw. I mean, because because Marcus and and Bain can both defend up a little bit, so I think that can work, especially just considering the the scoring. And I think they're closer than people like 
think like they they're clearly trying to get like a wing like an OG they offered three or four first for OG they they're gonna make one of those trades for a wing sooner than later and even if they don't I already think they're like a really competitive team when healthy just like the jaw JJJ core is like an automatic top six seed and then I just think they're so good yeah yeah uh, and then, yeah, with Marcus Smart, I really think they're going to be a good team just for the next few years. And as soon as they want to make that all-in push, they have the assets to do it. So we didn't see Zaire Williams at the summer league. I wonder if he's taken a step up or he's injured or something. That's another team. Okay, what do you think about this? This is another team that I think should trade for Siakam is, is the Grizzlies. Just because... Jaron Jackson Jr., I think, has to play the five in their best lineups. And Siakam would kind of be the perfect four beside him. I know the spacing gets clunky now with, like, Jaw and, and Smart, but you still have Bane, JJJ, who are, like, really elite three-point shooters. And then the other three guys can shoot it, all three of them, just not, like, an elite rate. They have all these assets, like Santi Aldama is a guy I would want back if I'm the Raptors, just because he's like a floor spacing four. I, I like Santi a lot. Um, but they have like a ton of guys, like David Roddy. Like, none of them are like 15 player. You, no, no, you're no, telling me I'm getting like... Out. You're getting a bunch of prospects, and they have all their picks and pick swaps going forward. So. Well, do they? What, didn't they give away some in the smart trade? No, they gave two picks that weren't theirs in the okay. smart trade. So now okay. they just have all theirs. So I just think it's a team that hasn't been mentioned at all that I could see getting into. I want, I want a stud prospect. Yeah, that's fair. That's like, fair. and I, and and I Aldama's not doing it for you. <laughs> no, sorry. This Euro like, hate is crazy, man. Pa- Pascal deserves that much in a transaction and i and and i think probably negotiations are breaking down on how many draft picks come in addition to that but there's got to be a a stud who can play alongside scotty in in any deal that's fair that's fair that's why i kind of like the aj griffin maybe dyson daniels those if you could get those two prospects in a deal i would be happy um before we get out of here Damian Keegan, Lillard. Keegan Murray for Siakam? That's another one I thought about. I would also, yeah, the Kings should get involved for sure. Um, but yeah, so Dame finally after years requested a trade after they did not trade the number two pick or the number three pick for a player. Basically, Portland put themselves in this situation and they, they kind of always wanted to rebuild. They were just doing it quietly. Um, which honestly is annoying in and of itself. Like you have a top whatever player all time and you never really built around him. And instead you tanked the last two years secretly. And, and Toronto, should them, take, Toronto should they, take they, a lesson. They promised him that, that he, they would eventually build around, uh, trade these picks for him and they never did. So I think Portland is getting off the hook a little too easily. What do you mean Toronto should take a lesson with Hayes with Scotty? Just like kind of overplaying their confidence in like internal growth and waiting for the perfect trade to come along that never actually does. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying Toronto's done it to the degree Portland has yet, but it's something to be cautious of. We're seeing like Washington and Portland, just the mismanagement. It's like you got to go for it or you got to... Yeah, you know, and Masai's history too is like he's never made a deal 
where he trades multiple first round picks. I don't think hmm. he's always made these deals where it's like, like he's made some big deals, but he's never like leveraged his future right. for a star. And yeah, like KD came up, they weren't willing to go there. It sounds like Dame came up. It doesn't sound like Toronto is in those talks. And and yeah, like I agree, they they should at some point. Um, but but I'm more interested in like the discussion of Dame and loyalty and all those things because he was loyal to the franchise for many years. They never really built elite teams around him, but he spent his whole prime there regardless. And now people are like what are you doing? Just trade Dame to the best. You know, I think the consensus is that they should just trade Dame to whoever offers the best package and not care at all about where Dame wants to go. Um, I also think it's a bit unfair of Dame to only give them one team rather than like a few contenders where he would like to go. But yeah, where are you with like this whole loyalty thing and like what the Blazers should be doing? Um... I think in Aiden's utopia, loyalty is like a, a highly honored value. But I think in this business, it just doesn't really make any sense. Like they've paid him so much money. And in that, one of their rights is to, is to trade that contract. And I think they should do that whatever value is presented to them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they have any obligation to him. They did what they could in like a decade, as did Dame. There's no fault of his, but there's, I, I don't think there's this kind of like this unspoken loyalty because it's not applied universally. It's not, I don't know that it, it's going to benefit Portland in any way in the future. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. To me. Okay. Two things like one is with the payment thing. Yes, they paid him a lot of money, but they made way more back. Why, sure. like, if they didn't pay him that money, the Portland Trailblazers would be valued at way less money than they are. Like they didn't pay him and he left no, or something. I'm not saying that they so, I'm not saying that like Dame should be thankful he got paid. I'm saying that like because they paid him, they have the right to move the contract. Like that's part no, I, I of know. the process. And so like I don't think loyalty should be in in something to be considered in a business transaction that i do honestly i do like i don't think it should be the be all end all and i don't think it's really fair to just have one team and they have to give them there no matter what miami offers but like i think they should send him to a contender and a team that like he wouldn't mind playing for and and it's to me it's not about like what portland's future would be because that's what you hear a lot of people be like well portland's never gotten free agents anyways what does it matter if they do right by dame like like it's not going to change any free agents opinion of like whether or not they want to go to portland i don't care about any of that i think like it sounds cheesy but like just do right by the guy like he gave he did right by you for so many years but did he and i get he just it. said he got like he got like super maxes because of staying there. It's not like he did it because he loved. He got super maxes because he's Damian Lillard, though. That's the thing where I think we need to make a distinction. Like, yeah, but he couldn't get that amount of money elsewhere. He could have if he went to a team and stayed there long enough, and, and then did it. Like there, there has to be a distinction with like some players really do just get like Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal got that contract because he was a wizard. Damian Lillard has been a top 10 player for the last 
almost decade. Like he could have gotten these max contracts and say he played in New York, add like the endorsement money that he would have made in a bigger market. He would be just fine monetarily. Like he would have made probably around the same amount of money he made, but he stayed in Portland. Like it wasn't just about money. And I think that's a big thing. Like Dame was so good that he was going to get paid maxes anywhere he went. It wasn't just because he was in Portland that he, okay, got but he chose to stay in Portland. Because assume we don't know his motivations because we don't actually know. Yeah. Like, do we know for sure that he was just being loyal to Portland? Like, that's what I'm all about. Like, do we really know that or do we? Well, like... I, I think you can kind of assume some of his motivations because if money was the motivator and that's really the only other option, he he would have gotten money elsewhere. So I think his motivation, yeah. There's a a substantial percentage that he wouldn't get if he had gone elsewhere. Well, but then you take into account endorsement deals. He's still getting endorsement in Portland. I think that's part of the the thing is that like, it's not city dependent now for endorsement. Like a superstar like Dame is going to get paid for commercials wherever he is. No, but still, there's certain things that come with being like a Laker or a Nick that let, don't come with being let a Let me ask you this. Blazer. How upset were you when the Clippers traded Blake Griffin? Were you distraught? Because that's even, to me, that's that even was, more What like, they did was rude, for sure. Like, yeah, that was way that more video. stabby in the back than what Portland would be doing to Dame trading him to a team of their choice. But again, I think the difference is that Dame is better. Like Dame is set, no, has had no. such an incredible. He's he's won them playoff series. Like he's made them tons of money. He's hit these memorable shots that like Portland fans will f- remember forever. And he stayed there throughout it all, despite like management building crappy teams around him. And I think that should be rewarded. That's just what I think. Like it. There aren't a lot of examples in, in the NBA of, of that actually happening. Blake Griffin's situation is just like different, I think, for a lot of reasons. And but it's not one being that he was about loyalty, good. and it, and loyalty is all about honesty and like transparency. And and they, you but know, loyalty they... is also about like Chris Boucher is loyal to the Raptors, but he's Chris Boucher. He's not a superstar. I, I don't and, think, and it's I... not often that these. It's the superstars who are the ones that get to dictate their terms, like. Dame, if he wanted, could have asked for this trade years ago. But Blake Griffin, maybe not so much. Like, he didn't have as much power as Dame did because just just by nature of being who they are. So I, I feel like he had a lot of opportunities to get out if he wanted to. Didn't take those opportunities. Asked them to just build a good team. They didn't. And now that he does ask for a trade, it's like, do right by the guy. Yeah, I I don't I mean again I'm all about the player but I don't I don't really see the logic. The logic is literally just he was loyal to you for a while even though he didn't have to be you should be nice to him back. Not not for some future like good good standing with players not for any of that just like for like that's like that's like how human relationships work. Yeah, Look and at I me. Just, I'm, I'm such a moral. Exactly, I think that I moral superior. I would love to bring human like value into this, but I think that's the wrong way to approach it. 
But then we trade DeMar DeRozan. All right. Yeah, exactly. All right. Yeah. Anything else before we get out of here? No, I think we've, we've exhausted ourselves. Yeah, that was fun. Um, like, comment, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Thank you. And, and, and the podcast, this is available as a podcast as well under the rap cast feed and who knows when we'll be back i will be hopefully in vancouver tomorrow if uh, my flight does not get canceled this time around maybe some projections coming up yeah we gotta we gotta put the over on the raptors once more for sure yeah, i'm putting God. that i'm doing that um yeah we could do some of those betting videos for sure but yeah until then keep it keep it Keep it wholesome, fans. All right. Bye.